Amen. All right, we're going to start with some prayer this morning, so let's start in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we're tired, some of us, some of us are, are still kind of just opening up to this day and this retreat, and the fact that we're here, God, we ask that you can help us to lean into what you have in store for us today. Allow our hearts to be pierced by your love, allow our minds to be open to your truths, Allow our souls to radiate your glory. Dear Lord Jesus, as we offer up this morning in song and prayer, help us to truly enter into worship. Enter into worship, not just of, of raising our voices, but of raising our spirit. Raising our spirit to you, God, who has blessed us and anointed us to do great things. Lead us, Lord. We pray this in your holy and precious name. Jesus, thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So guys, how's it going? You good? Yes? You guys ready to get into this? Yes? Awesome. I got, I got a new little song for you. This is a little different for some of you. You might not have never heard of this, but this is actually one of my favorites, and I'll tell you why. Anyone here speak Spanish, by the way? Spanish? See? Hablamos Español. Woo! Um... So if you don't, you're going to learn something new today. <clears throat> Check it out. Um, I call this song Champurrado, and I'll tell you why. Um, Champurrado means hot chocolate. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a style of hot chocolate in Spanish, but anyway. Um, so it's actually called, the song is actually called Deep Cries Out, but I call it Champurrado. So, but anyway, um, <laughs> the reason why is because it reminds me of my grandma when she uh, makes hot chocolate, and in the Mexican uh, traditional way, we use this special ingredient. We, it's called flour, masa, you hear it in Spanish. So it's not supposed to touch the pan as you're cooking it because it'll, I guess, go bad. It's those who know how to make champurrado, you guys may know that, that it's true. I don't know how to make champurrado. She knows how to make it. I just want her to make it and make my tummy feel good. So um, I just know that. But um, anyway, when she does it, she stirs it up. She just stirs up, stirs up, and makes sure it doesn't stick. So why don't you stir that up with me real quick? Just stir up like if you're stirring up a pot. There you go. Big pot. Yeah, that's, that looks good. Okay. And then um, as we do that, we're going to sing these words. So why don't you go ahead and stand up, and I want you guys to do the, these big, huge stirs with me. Here we go. And I'll sing. It goes like this. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? Because we're stirring up deep, deep wells. We're stirring up deep, deep waters. We're going to dance in the river. She's dancing. This is really good. So another part about worship and these songs is that when we preach the good news and if, when, when we walk the walk, we talk the talk too, right? When we talk the talk, we walk the walk. Amen? Amen? So we're going to do that as well with these worship songs. So if we're going to say and proclaim that we're going to dance, we're going to dance. Amen? And if we're going to jump, we're going to jump. Amen? And we're going to shout, we're going to shout. Amen? Awesome. Good, good, good. So let's start up back. Here we go. Because we're stirring up deep, deep wells. We're stirring up deep, deep waters. We're going to dance in the river. Let me see this. Come on. Dance in the river. Because we're stirring up deep, deep wells. Stir it up. We're stirring up deep, deep waters. We're going to jump in the in the river. All right, all right. Let me let me teach you what jumping is not. This is not jumping. That's not jumping. The the heels just don't go up, and you call that jumping. No, we know what jumping is, right? 
So on three, we're going to jump as high as we can. Here we go. One, two, three. Good, good, good. That's really good. Awesome. So let's do this one more time. We're going to stir it up. We're going to dance. You want to do the nay-nay, hey, whatever you want to do, get silly with it. All right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I like your dancers. Because we're stirring up deep, deep wells. Stir it up. We're stirring up deep, deep waters. We're going to dance in our <laughs> dance. Dance in the river, cause we're stirring up deep, deep wells. We're stirring up deep, deep waters. We're gonna jump in the river. Jump, 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 river. Beautiful. You guys are doing really good. Here we go. There's a bit of a tongue twist, and this is the chorus. And let's lift up our beautiful voices to the side. It goes like this. Here we go. Deep cries out to deep cries out to you. Deep cries out to deep cry. We cry out. We cry out. We cry out to you, Jesus. Deep cries out. Deep cries out to deep, deep, deep cries out. We cry. We, we cry out to you, Jesus. Big part. Here we go. Here we go. It goes like this. We're falling into deep waters. We're calling out to you. We're walking into deeper waters. We're walking into deep waters. We're going out to you. You guys are really, really good. Here we go. This is a really fun part. And what I mean fun, it means when you actually do it and you get involved in it and not just say, oh, that's fun, that's chill, whatever. So this is, you guys, you guys, anyone, know how, oh, I saw some of the good dancers, but you guys know how to line dance a little bit? Just a little bit? All right, sweet. So, or even like the cha-cha slide, you know, like everybody good, all that other stuff, goodness. So here we go. If we go to the left, we're going to go to the left and we're going to go like this. And if he goes to the left, then we go. Go to the right, we're gonna jump, 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 jump in the river. Jump, 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 everybody. And if he goes to the left, then we'll go to the left. And if he goes to the right, we'll go to the right. We're gonna dance, 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 dance in the river. Dance, 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 everybody. And if he goes to the left, then we'll go to the left. And if he goes to the right, we'll go to the right. We're gonna Shout, 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 shout in the ring. Shout, 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 shout. Not bad, but you need a shout. Amen? All right, then let's shout. Here we go. Shout, 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 shout in the river. Shout, shout. That's right. I love that. Rest of the time, have a great time. Get into it. Clap your hands. Get silly. And tell your neighbor that's not moving around to do this. All right, here we go. A little up on the guitar. Here we go. I've got a river. I've got a river of living water, a fountain, a never will run dry. Here we go. It's an ocean. It's an open heaven. It's your 
Cause we're stirring up deep, deep Well, stir it up We're stirring up deep, deep We're gonna dance in the river Dance in the river Stir it up Cause we're stirring up deep We're stirring up We're stirring up We're gonna jump in the river Jump, jump in Deep cries out Sing it out Deep cries out Deep cries out Deep cries out Deep we cry out Jesus, you Jesus Deep cries out Deep cries out Deep, deep cries out We, we cry out We cry out to you Jesus Clap, 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 clap Here we go Let's hear your voices sing this out I've got a river, here we go I've got a river of living, a fountain, a fountain. It's an open heaven. It's an open heaven. It's releasing, and we will never be denied. Stir it up, champurado, because <laughs> we're stirring out deep, deep wells. We're stirring up deep, deep waters. We're gonna dance in the river. Dance in the remix. Cause we're stirring up deep, deep wells. We're stirring up deep, deep. We're gonna jump in the river. Jump in deep cries out, deep cries out. We're falling into deep waters. We're calling out to you. We're walking into sing it out. We're walking into deep waters. We're going out to you. guys ready for this? We can talk the talk and walk the walk. Amen? Here we go. And if he goes to the left, then we'll go to the left. And if he goes to the right, we'll go to the right. We're gonna jump, 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 jump in the river. Jump, 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 jump. Everybody. And if he goes to the left, and if he goes to the right, we're gonna dance, 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 dance in the river. Dance, 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 dance. Everybody, and if he goes to the left, then we'll go to the left. And if he goes to the right, we'll go to the right. We're gonna shout, 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 shout in the river. Shout, shout. 
everybody clap your hands. Yeah. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> Here we go. Deep cries out, nice and loud. Deep cries out to deep cries out to deep. We cry out. You, Jesus. Deep cries out. Deep cries out. Deep cries out. We cry. You, Jesus. All right, we got this. We're doing good. But I want to see these big steps to the left and to the right be even bigger. Can we do that? So this kind of helps the neighbor that's not moving move because you're going to run over them pretty much, right? <laughs> so here we go. We're going to go to the left. We're going to go to the right. We're going to make big steps to the left and right. So let's do this. Here we go. And if he goes to the left, and if he goes to the right, nice and big, we're going to jump, 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 jump in the river. Jump, 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 everybody. And if he goes to the left, and if he goes to the right, we're going to dance, 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 dance in the river. Dance, 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 dance. Everybody, and if he goes to the left, and if he goes to the right, we're going to shout, 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 shout in the river. Shout, 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 shout. Deep cries out, deep cries out to you. Deep cries out, deep cries out. We cry out, we cry out to you, Jesus. Sing it out, deep. Deep cries out to, deep cries out to you, deep cries out. We cry out, we cry out to you, Jesus. Let's just sing that out, deep. Deep cries out, deep cries out. We, we cry out. You, Jesus, let's pray that nice and together. Deep cries out. Deep cries out. We cry. We cry out. We cry out to you, Jesus. We're falling into. We're falling into deep waters. We're calling out. To you, we're walking into Jesus. We're walking into deep waters. We're going out to you. If you want to lift your hands to heaven and sing this out, we're falling into deep waters. We're calling out to you. If we can focus on the words in the prayer. We're walking into deep. We're going out to you. We're falling into. We're falling into deep. Oh, waters were calling out to you. We're walking into. 
God, we thank you for this day. We pray for your Holy Spirit to give us the gifts of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, courage, fear of the Lord, and piety. Holy Spirit, come open our minds, our hearts to you. God, help us to know your love this day. Help us to go into deeper waters, that we might go deeper into our hearts, deeper into our souls that we might know more about you and that we might love you more this day. Take us deeper, Lord, than we've ever known and help us to fall more and more in love with you. And Mama Mary, we consecrate this talk to you, this day to you. We ask for your powerful intercession as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen? Amen. 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 Awesome. You guys go ahead and take a seat. Can we give it up for Martin real quick and uh, thank him for taking us into the amazing hot chocolate. It was tasty. Um, so it's good to be back. So let's just recap last night. Um, who are you? Sheep. Children of God, right? Who are you? Say that again. Okay, so you know who you are. What is your purpose? What were you made for? To love. And where does that lead you? Where's the only place that love lasts forever? Heaven. Heaven. Awesome. So you guys have some um, paper, and I I take out your paper, take out your pens, and I want you guys to write down things um, just so you can remember this. Because I know when I learn theology of the body, sometimes like I hear it, and I'm like so excited, and I'm like, wait, what did they say? Like I totally forget basically what was said. Um, So just a review of last night. We see that our bodies aren't just biological. Our bodies are theological. In and through our bodies, God is revealed. A man's body does not make sense on his own, okay? You're like, I don't get it, (laughs) right? No. No. A woman's body does not make sense on our own. Even how we are made in our bodies as male and female, we see that we were made for union. We see in our bodies, they don't make sense on on their own. We are actually meant to be one. And that points us to the eternal life in heaven and shows us we were actually made to be in union with God. One of my favorite, um, we were talking about our desires yesterday, right? Two of my favorite um, things. Psalm 63 says this. It says, oh God, you are my God. For you I long. For you my body yearns. For you my soul thirsts like a land that is parched, lifeless, and without water. So our bodies yearn to be united with someone forever and that someone is God. We long for that. So any of you guys, if you've ever felt that ache in your heart for something more, that ache in your heart 
that you maybe feel lonely. I love Bobby said this once, that loneliness is God knocking on your heart, saying, hey, spend more time with me. I want to be with you. So when you guys feel that ache and that longing, you know what? It might be for, you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It might be to be married. That ache and that longing, I remember when I was, I think I was 23, I, I didn't have a boyfriend. I was a youth minister. I remember having that ache in my heart and thinking, oh, Lord, I just want to be married. I just want to have a husband. And you know what God would, he showed me, it was like, you know how you do Bible roulette sometimes, and you're like, Lord, speak to me, and you do this, and you point? Don't do that, people. There are some weird passages in the Bible, okay? <laughs> One of my favorites is our friend was doing a book signing, and like someone, he was giving a book to someone, he signed it, and he normally puts a psalm in there, and he, was, he couldn't remember if it was Psalms 38.8 or, or Psalms 138.8. So he accidentally put Psalms 38.8, because Psalms 138.8 says, the, Lord is, the Lord's love endures forever, okay? But 38.8, he went home and looked at his Bible, and it's like, and he wrote, he wrote this book to a, this, to a woman, he's like, my loins burn with fever. <laughs> he's like, my flesh is afflicted. He's like, I'm like, you need some cream for that, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, don't ever do the Bible roulette because there are some scary uh, scripture passages. But I did Bible roulette that day when I felt this ache and this longing and I opened up to Psalm 63 and it said, oh God, you are my God. It's for you I long. It's for you that my body yearns. It's for you that my soul thirsts. And I thought to myself, I said, God, it's not a husband. I mean, it is, it's not, it's, but God, it's ultimately you. You're the one that I long for. You're the one I desire my desires are good, and they're meant for you. And my other favorite is St. Augustine said, because St. Augustine, you know, he was sleeping with his girlfriend. St. Augustine was a great speaker. And his mom, St. Monica, prayed for him for 20 years to have a conversion. And sure enough, in St. Augustine's confessions, he tells his story. And the very opening sentence is, um, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And you know, some of us may feel that loneliness, that restlessness, and I want you to always remember that is pointing you to God, that in this moment, you were made for union with God in heaven, and you were made for union with God in right now, not just in heaven, you were made for God right now to be un unified with him. And even in marriage, what's amazing, even in marriage, we think, oh, once I'm married, I'll be fully satisfied. And guess what? He is not God. I am not God, and if I think that he can satisfy every desire of my heart for heaven, I'm wrong, and I'm going to be very disappointed, and you wonder why there's a lot of divorce, is because people think that some other person is going to satisfy and be perfect and be God, and you know what, you know what's the amazing part is if Jesus is the bridegroom, right, he's my bridegroom, my favorite part is being with Bobby, because Bobby's my best friend, I love him so much, and again, I love that he, we're, our goal in this relationship is to lead each other to heaven. That's our, that's when we got married, that's the purpose of this marriage is to get each other to heaven. But my favorite time is when I'm with Bobby at mass or in adoration, because we're like together, we're looking at Jesus, the bridegroom, but I got the best man right here. No. <laughs> you know, I mean, how beautiful is that? So even in marriage, we're, he's like not, he's not, doesn't satisfy the desires of my heart for heaven because only God can do that, right? So we see that our desires point us to heaven. Our bodies are a sign that we are made for union and our marriage points us, it points us to the marriage of revelation of Jesus, the bridegroom, and the, the bride, the church, right? So that's kind of a recap of yesterday. But we didn't finish the creation story. We kind of ended at 
you know, Adam saying, this is that last bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, right? Like, hey girl, what's up? That's okay, we ended with that. But it doesn't stop there, you guys. Who else was in the garden that day? Yes, Satan, the serpent, the devil, okay? The actual word, the Hebrew word is nechesh. And nechesh actually means, it means serpent, but it also means shimmering one. Now, who was the devil? What's his name? Lucifer. Lucifer is a fallen angel, right? He's a shimmering one. He's an he's angel of light. Okay, so the devil is there in the garden. And the devil, he goes to Eve. The devil goes to Eve first. In the girls' session, I'm going to explain why. Um, but he goes to Eve, and he says to Eve, he says, did God really tell you not to eat or touch of the fruit? of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And she's like, he's like, for surely, for surely if you eat the fruit of the tree, your eyes will be opened and you'll become like gods. Now, Satan is called the father of lies. He does a really good job at deceiving and manipulating. So he goes, doesn't, but why would God not give you the fruit? Doesn't God want your eyes to be open? And Eve's like, why wouldn't God want my eyes to be open? Why wouldn't God want us to be like him, like God? And she starts to feel deceived by God. But why wouldn't he give this? Wouldn't he want? And Satan does what he does best. He lies. He manipulates. He deceives. And surely enough, we know, we know that Adam and Eve, and actually Adam, sometimes we think Adam's like frolicking around the garden, like he's not there. We're like, oh, I'm going to go get some figs, you know, whatever. No, Adam is right next to Eve. He's right there, and he doesn't say anything. Adam, his job, God gave him the job to guard and protect the garden and everything that was in it, and Adam, this is why it's called the sin of Adam and not the sin of Eve. We know that Eve took the fruit and ate it and then gave it to her husband, but it's actually called the sin of Adam because he did not guard and protect the garden. He was supposed to guard, I mean, like, he should have, what he should have done when the devil came to her, he should have been like, dude, back up, you know, and like, dun, pr dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, protected her. But he just stood there like a coward, and he did not protect her. And so we know from this, yes, surely their eyes were opened, but they were opened not to something good. They were open to sin, and they were open to lust. Because let me tell you, before this happened, Adam and Eve were in the garden, and they were fully naked without shame. They, as naked, they could look at each other without shame. She could look at Adam, her husband, and he fully naked, and she would not lust after him. But she saw him as a person instead of an object. And Adam could look at Eve fully naked, and he would not feel shame. He would not feel lust. And what happened, when they ate the fruit of the tree, their eyes were opened, and what happened was, we all know that they ran. What did they go do when they ran in the garden? They went and hid, but what did they do to themselves? Yeah, they put on fig leaves, right, to cover themselves. Before, they didn't need to cover themselves, but they covered themselves. Now, where did they cover themselves? I mean, sometimes we think, like, they made a little hat, you know? No, they covered themselves, the parts of themselves that are the sexual parts. Okay, because those are good. They're good, and they point us to God. But they were ashamed because sin entered the world, and lust entered into the world from original sin. So they went and they covered themselves. Now, it also says their eyes were opened. Yes, their eyes were opened, and now they're more inclined to lust than more inclined to love. This is called concupiscence. Concupiscence means that we are inclined, our nature, we are inclined to sin, right? 
When we see, like, I know for me, I'm going to use a food analogy, right? If I go see, like, a table full of snacks, <laughs> and she's like, don't eat the snacks, I'm like, I want a snack. I want a snack. Yeah, you were laughing stuff. I hear you. Because I did, I went over and grabbed the snack. She was like, snack time. I'm like, I want to be a snack lady someday. You know, I'm like, you know, um, but if we see, for, like, if, we're, if, we're, if we have a boyfriend or girlfriend, our inclination, our natural inclination is not to be like, I want to lead you to heaven. I'm not going to touch you. You know, our natural inclination is that we desire that union. And so we kind of sometimes give into the culture, which tells us, oh, just do it. That's our inclination. That's why it's totally countercultural and we need God's grace to actually love because we're inclined to lust. So they said their eyes were going to be open. And then Satan was like, oh, and surely you'll become like gods. Well, did they become like gods? Yes. In a way, they became like gods because only God can say what is right and wrong. But when we became like gods, we're now saying, I can determine what is right and what is wrong. Like, God, I don't need you anymore because I can determine my own what is sin and what is not. And you guys, we know we see in our society, right? We know we see people say, oh, come on, premarital sex isn't wrong. I'm like, you're basically becoming your own god. And you know, I love this like, quote that it says, are you going to conform, is your life going to conform to the gospel? Or are you the kind of person that's going to conform the gospel to your life? Oh, I'm only going to pick and choose what I like out of the gospel. And everything else, I'm just going to become like my own God and determine what is right or wrong. So it happened. We decided, oh, we're going to become like gods, and we're going to say what's right and wrong. I don't care what, you know, God says. So their eyes were opened to sin and lust. And yes, they became like their own gods and now determined that they could choose what is right and wrong. And we see, so in the beginning, they were naked without shame, but now they weren't. And now throughout history, we have a thing called original sin, and we are fallen. And so you and I are not walking around naked, and I don't tell, I'm not telling you to be, go around naked. You're like, I'm free and naked without shame. No, that's not, don't do that. Um, we'll get in trouble. They're like, what are they teaching at the Echoes Retreat? <laughs> go around, start a naked colony. No, that's not what we're saying. But that we are still fallen, and that we need to get back, not to original, how it was, original man, right? We need to not go back, but what we need to do is go forward. And that's the journey today. We're going to talk about how, what real love is. Because we need to know what real love is. And that's how we're going to get to heaven. Is that we need to know what it is so we can live it out. Because we can't go back to the beginning in the garden. But we want to. And in a way, heaven is the new garden. Heaven is the new Jerusalem. And we got to get there. But we got to know what real love is. And the language of the body. The beautiful thing, too, is, is how, um, again, the theme of this whole retreat is echoes echoes of worth and you think about you know the Grinch in the Grinch movie where he like yells it out and like it's echoing back in the mountains and he's like I'm an idiot I'm an idiot and it echoes back you're an idiot you're an idiot okay that's not what I said there's echoes throughout all of creation that again this is not how it's supposed to be that there's a worth there's a dignity to myself and all of creation that's been lost and yet I know it was once there and I'm not going to be satisfied till it comes back again and a quick word about this whole kind of a Genesis story. Um, if, you, if you are the, the Nacho Libre type, who's, you know, he's got this friend who like, he's like, why are you always judging me? Because I believe in science and refuse to be baptized. He's like, wapah, baptizes him. Sometimes there's a tendency to look at the whole Genesis account with our modern eyes and say that it becomes a roadblock. It becomes a roadblock, and we got to realize Genesis was not written as a science textbook, and that when we hear this story, it's not meant to be read in this scientific 
historical way per se, but in the language of myth. So for all of you Hobbit, Lord of the Rings fans, I know you're there, because I'm right here. And there's always one, there's always at least one. Uh, Tolkien, who wrote it, C.S. Lewis, who wrote Narnia, they both deeply understood that stories and myth, it gets to truths that are deeper than what a microscope can see. It's truths deeper than the microscope can see. So while science can tell us amazing things about the universe and about our bodies, it can't tell us why are we here. Why did I come into existence? Why do I have these desires on my heart that aren't going to be fulfilled by anything else? And this is where theology steps in and says, listen to this. This is how you were created, and this is what you were created for. And it's only when you put the two together. So it's not that I even look at the beauty of creation, and I have to leave the Bible over here. It's no, no, no. I take the Bible, and now I'm able to see it as it really is. I'm able to see the human body, the person. Because with this deep language of, of symbolism, to get at who am I, what am I made for? We also have a pope right now, Pope Francis, who has spoken more about the devil, out, like just outright, like this isn't some kind of made-up thing for an evilness. He's like, no, no, there's a real presence of evil. And you can also interpret that word serpent as dragon. So if you think about it, you're faced by a shimmering dragon, again, a smaug, if you will, covered in gold. It's kind of terrifying. So, I mean, Adam is, again, was not off cleaning his truck. You know, when this whole thing's going on, it says Adam, who was standing right there next to her, he's like, huh. Again, the original sin is that we have decided to become gods of our own. I decide what to do with my body, not God, not bringing God into the picture, into the conversation. And so... I, again, and, and students will be, when we, we will teach this sometimes, young people are like, well, why don't we just go live in nudist colonies then? Well, it's not going to work, because, no, safe environment. <laughs> it's, it's, there's a nakedness without shame that we're, in a sense, made for, and yet fallen in this life. And it's our, kind of our journey to get to, get to that union again. And, but during this life, we have to recognize that we no longer see with this language of love, but lust. There's a lust in the world. Yeah. And you guys, shame is not a bad thing. Pope John Paul says shame, what shame, the, the part of shame now is that we are protecting ourselves from being used at another, or being lusted after. So actually, the reason why we wear clothes is because we are protecting ourselves from being lusted after as an object. And he says, shamelessness, if, if you become shameless, have shamelessness, what it means is that you don't care what you wear. You're like, whatever. I'm like, Katy Perry, put on some pants. You know, like, I love a lot of these musicians, but they're, I'm like, why don't you wear pants? But really, because they have shamelessness. They don't care who sees their body. But shame is a good thing because it protects us from the eyes of lust. But so we're going to talk about the, the opposite, what love is and what love isn't. So if I asked you guys, what is the opposite of love, what would you say? Okay, I heard a few, some people said hate, right? And that, you know, that it, that's true. Pope John Paul said, like 60 years ago in his book, Love and Responsibility, the whole book was about the opposite of lust, or sorry, the opposite of love. And the opposite of love, he says, is use, which is lust. To use somebody as an object for their own pleasure. He said that is the opposite of love. He said love is being a gift Love is giving yourself, being selfless, but lust, use, is using somebody, taking. It's not, it's, it's, it's totally selfish, right? 
And, and Bobby, I love this. Uh, he said what the Italian word for love is. It's a beautiful, um, there's a beautiful definition for when the Italians say, I love you. They're actually saying, Te voglio bene. Hey, te voglio bene. Hey, yeah. hey. Super Mario. <laughs> Fireballs. Fireballs of love. Yeah. It, it, in that Italian, what it literally means is, for you, I want the best. So when you say, I love you, that's actually what you're saying. For you, I want the best. Here. Yeah. And St. Thomas Aquinas, I want you guys to write this down if you have paper, that say love equals wanting the best, I, I mean, I'm going to say a few, but wishing another well, wanting the best for another, wanting the good for another. That's what love is. Love is wanting the best for the other, wanting the good for the other. That's what love is. Because in our culture, a lot of times we hear that love is a feeling. Right? Love is how I feel, and it's emotion. And guess what? If that's your definition of love, then marriage will never last. If you, in, in marriage, if you, if you say on your wedding day, like, I'll, I'll love you as long as it feels good, that won't work, you know? Because there are times in, in our marriage where he's snoring and I want to kick him and be like, no, I don't want you anymore, you know? I love you, baby. What? Or you have awesome morning breath, and I'm like, dude, I don't feel good right now, you know? It, it, really, if you said, I love you, but it just meant, I, if I don't feel this anymore, and we know that's pretty much in marriage that that happens is where maybe you don't feel it. You know you love the person, but here's the deal. If you really love with Christ's love, which is agape love, then it means it doesn't matter how I feel. I'm, I'm going to love you till death do us part. And just a real quick, there are four different types of love. You know, it's funny. In our culture, we use the word love for everything. We're like, dude, I love that burrito. Dude, I love my bike. Dude, I love you. Like a burrito? Like a burrito. You know, like... <laughs> No, I mean, really, am, am, am I, like, I love nachos? Like, do I love my husband as much as I love nachos? Maybe. No, yes, I don't, yes. I'm sorry. No, I, I do. I love him. I wouldn't die for nachos, you know? I would die for my husband. And so we know that there are, there are, we say the word love for a lot of things, but they mean different things. So in the Greek, they actually have four different words for love. So you can write this down. Um, the first one, we, I want to just say uh, eros, okay? Eros. E-R-O-S. Eros is not necessarily just sexual love, because we get the word erotic from eros. But eros is like, it's a passionate love. Okay? It's a passionate love. The next one is storge. S it looks like storge. S-T-O-R-G-E. Storge is family love. Sometimes you know how you hate your brother or sister, but you're like, oh, I still love them. You know? That's storge love, is that you have this love between familial bonds. The next kind of love is philos. Like Philadelphia means brother, the city of brotherly love. Philos, P-H-I-L-O-S, or philia, P-H-I-L-I-A. Philia means brotherly love. And this is like a friendship. It's a friendship kind of love. So you know how you're like, the guys are like, dude, bro, I love you, man. They're not saying, I eros you, okay? I, at least I hope not. You know, they're saying, I love you in a friendship love. And that friendship love is beautiful. And, it's, and it, it's intimate. And intimacy means into me see. Like, if you're my best friend, you can see. You see me. You know, right, it's Avatar. They're like, don't they, they greet each other with, I see you. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what intimacy. So even a friendship has a level of intimacy because your friends, they get you. Right? So when you're saying, dude, I love you. Maybe you're saying it in a, a philia way or philos. But the greatest love... And write this down, the greatest love is agape love. A-G-A-P-E, agape love. 
And this is God's love. This love is unconditional, unconditionally, right? I remember hearing Katy Perry's song. I was like, oh my gosh, it sounds like a Christian song. Because it sounds like she's singing from God's perspective to us, right? That God loves us unconditionally no matter what we've done. Even when we sin, God still loves us. And I know people who feel like they're not good enough because they've sinned. But God looks at all of us and says, listen, even when you forget me, even when you run away from me, even when you abandon me, God is saying, I still love you because you are my child. You are my son or you are my daughter. My love is unconditional. And that is the love that we are called to. We are called to that type, that agape love, that even if you hate somebody, even if you don't like someone because they talked behind your back, they gossiped, they, they betrayed you, abandoned you, they abused you, used you, we are still called to love unconditionally. Guess what? There are some people in my life that I do not like, okay, because maybe they hurt me, they did something, I'm like, I'm not going to be your friend, but guess what? I'm not called to like people, I'm called to love them, okay? Remember that. You are not called to like someone, you are called to love, and what does that mean? You know what? I don't have to be their best friend, but... I'm, I'm called to love, which means, you know what? And what is love? What does love mean? You want the best for them. Even if I don't like this girl who betrayed me or whatever, guess what? I'm called to want the best for her. And let me tell you, that takes a lot of prayer. When someone has hurt you, it takes a lot of healing. But know that you're not called to like them, be BFFs with them. You are called to love and want the best for them. And so we're going to continue and talk more about what love is. The, and this is where the church has given us some, some great guidelines to what is love, baby, don't hurt me. What is, I can't ever say it, what is love in, in its categories? And what are the, the four components that it needs to have for it to be a, a, a fulfillment and a real foundation? And if you think of a chair, you think of like the, the four legs of a chair and you try to sit on it. If I take one of them out, what happens? Okay, I'm going to fall on my face. If I, tried, if I take two legs out, what's going to happen? You're going to fall even faster. If you take one leg out and you sit on it, you're, you're an idiot. But <laughs> it needs all four legs to, to work. It needs that foundation. And for us, uh, what, what the church is teaching us, uh, truths that have go, go back to the teachings of Christ, but are articulated in a new way, as John Paul put it, it's free, total, faithful, and fruitful. These are the four vows that are taken on your wedding day, believe it or not. They're woven into the language themselves, and we're going to talk about each of the categories. The first one being free. Are you free? Do you come in the wedding vows? Do you come here freely? And if I'm free, what does that mean? It means I'm not addicted. It means I have no substance. No one's controlling me. There's no shotgun over here to my head. I am here because I want to be here. My love is free. I'm not being coerced, and I'm also not attached to anything or anyone else. Now I've come here freely. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question. If you are addicted to something, are you free? No. no. So if you are addicted in any way to some, a sin, and, and St. Paul says you are either slaves of sin or you are slaves of righteousness. Now, if you're addicted, for instance, to pornography, it means you're not free to love, as Christ calls us to love. If you're addicted to... I don't know, gossip, if you're addicted to, and you, which what it means, if, if you can't say no to something, you're addicted. If you can't say no, when you are tempted, if you can't say no in the moment, and you know what, obviously there are sometimes we can't say no, and we're like, oh, thank God, 
okay? But if you can't say no, if you, if, you know, if there's someone in your, your boyfriend and girlfriend and you can't say no to sex or you can't say no to, you know, passionately kissing or whatever, you're addicted and you, you can't freely love. So when we said on our, you know, on the altar that day, we said, we took the vows, like he says, are you free, right? Did you come here freely? And we said, yes. In fact, on our wedding day, and I was, I went the night before, we went to confession, because I wanted to not give 50% of myself to Bobby. I wanted to give 100%. And so I went to confession, and I actually confessed every sin that I had committed to the priest. I said, and the priest is a friend of ours, and I said, I, I confess everything I have ever done with any guy. Because I want to be free. I don't want to give, you know, a few percent to this guy and a few percent, because I was dumb in high school and dated some guys and gave part of myself away and then in college or whatever. And I know that I need to get that back so that I can give all of myself to Bobby. And so the night before my wedding, I, I went to the priest and said, you know what, I confess, I confessed all my sins, whether it was like gossip or pride or selfishness, but I said, you know what, I confess everything that I have ever done, everything that I've ever done, anytime I've ever lusted, anytime I've ever used somebody, I confess that. Because it says in scripture, you know, and especially when we go to confession, it says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come, right? We aren't meant for our past. That's why confession is such an amazing sacrifice, you know, sacrament is because we are made new. Everything we've done, gone, doesn't exist anymore. We are new creations. And so I wanted that for my husband. So I could say on the altar, I am free and I give everything to you. I'm free. And Bobby went to confession the day of our wedding. So he could say the same thing in return. So free. So if you guys want to write these down, free is the first one. And then the second part of that vow is, do you come here freely and without reservation do you come here totally? Is it all of you here? John Legend. All of me loves all of you. Oh. Not just all my body loves all of your body. No, all no. All of my personality loves all your person. You know what? Okay. No. Okay. You know. <laughs> Total. It's all of you. Uh, it's the good things about you and the not so great things about you. As Jackie said, perhaps on occasion my breath isn't the best. <laughs> you know, she still has to take that. Perhaps sometimes. The toilet paper goes on the, the way she doesn't like it. It goes, it goes over, right, lady? It always goes over. It goes to the same under. place. So no, it that's, that's, that's what I say. Um, you know, there's, there's times of the month where maybe I'm going to rip his head off. Yeah. yeah that's, so she's a little crazier than, yeah, that's true. than normal. We go cray cray, ladies. I have to it. love her in all of that. <laughs> and bring me chocolates and flowers. Yeah. And ask you and, and listen to you. That's and, right, whoever that lady is. And, and ask you how you're doing. Mm -hmm. Which he does. That's he what does. I will do now. <laughs> Total. It's, again, it's all of you. It's not 50% of me. It's not 95% of me even. It's, uh, she has 100% of me. Sometimes the tendency when you have couples get married is I'm still going to do what I want to do. I'm still kind of going to live my bachelor ways or how I like it. And she's going to do her thing. We're gonna, it's like, no, no, no. It's... You guys are now united. You are a team. You're now one flesh. And that requires a death, a death that Christ himself, and again, this is all modeled on Jesus Christ. This all goes back to how he loved and the standards he's given us to love. And especially when you come into a relationship, you have different personalities. You know, you're going to say, I love all of you. And even though we have different personalities, like when maybe he's being kind of melancholic and Eeyore, like, I'm like, I'm going to love you. And when I'm being crazy and bossy and stubborn, he's going to love me. And that's what love is. Again, love is wanting the best. Love is a choice. Love is not just a feeling. Love is a choice to say, I am going to love you totally. And you know what's amazing? We look at, like, 
when somebody, like with sexting, okay, for instance, I tell girls, I say, if a guy wants a naked picture of yourself, he does not love you. And what you can do is you can send a naked picture of your hand and say goodbye, okay? <laughs> because if a guy wants a naked picture of your body, does he love you totally? He just wants your body. He doesn't want your personality because that doesn't come through a naked picture of yourself, right? He's saying, I just want your body. But real love, total love says, I want your body. I want your soul. I want your heart. I want your mind. And I'm going to love all of it, right? Not just some of it. I'm going to love all of you. I don't want to change you. However, what love does, love, and this is how God loves, God loves you where you are, but he also doesn't want to keep you there. Because real love, it wants the, the beloved to be perfect. It wants the lover to get to heaven. And right, it says, in, it says in scripture that be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. So we together saying, I love you totally. I love you as you are. But also I want us, we want each other to get to heaven, to be perfect. And so we help that way. So free, total. The next one is, do I talk about faithful? Faithful. And, and to back up one quick sec, um, the pornography epidemic that it is, we're all the walking wounded in some way. From the Cosmo magazine and every other magazine around in the supermarket to Victoria's Secret to a Google search that goes wrong, the average age now of uh, pornography exposure is like eight. Eight-year-olds. Again, you just give them a tablet and they're searching and searching for whatever, un totally unrelated, and you stumble upon some of the, the darkest, filthiest stuff on the internet. Um, and most degrading. Again, it's not that sex is something bad. It's something holy. It is something holy. And that's what we're here trying to relearn how to see it. And yet that's not the way the world is seeing it. Something is degraded. And the, one of the issues with pornography, again, it's this makes no demands on me. And think about that sin of Adam to just kind of stand by complacently. This makes absolutely no demands on me. This isn't a living, breathing person in the sense that I have to listen, I'm taking all of her, I'm taking all of her into consideration. It's this, this image, this movie makes absolutely no demands on me, and so I never have to go out and offer my strength. I never have to offer my virtue. I can just kind of stay in this little cell. Yeah, and Pope John Paul, one of my favorite quotes about pornography is this, is Pope John Paul said, the problem with pornography is not that it shows too much, but it actually shows too little, and you're like, what? What does that mean, right? I remember being like, what? But he says, because it only shows a body and not a body and a soul. Pornography shows too little because it only shows a body and not a body and a soul. And you know what? We could say the same really for premarital sex. We could say the same for a lot of other things that really it's just about using someone for my pleasure. Using someone's body for my physical pleasure or emotional pleasure. Right? So that's the opposite of love, is to use someone as an object and not to love them as a person. And what is love? Wanting the best for the other. So anytime we use, we're, we're being selfish and we want just a part of someone, not total. Yeah. yeah, so we're all the walking wounded in some way. The next one, the next leg of the chair is faithful. Now this one is pretty, I'd say one of the more obvious ones to recognize because every love song on the radio that's gone wrong is in some way pertaining to faithful. Uh, will you honor and love all the days of your life? Right. And, and you know, again, when you, when you say, I'm going to be faithful, you're going to say, you are the only one. There will be no other. I will not view pornography because that's a bunch of other women, right? I, I'm going to love just you. I won't even flirt. I'm not even going to flirt with other people 
because they don't deserve my love or my attention, right? I'm going to alone, my, this is my husband alone, I'm going to be faithful to him till what? Till death. Yeah, and it doesn't even say until heaven, because again, we remember heaven, what did we say about heaven yesterday? In heaven, there is no marriage, because we are finally in our destination. We are in the marriage with Christ, so we don't need the sign anymore, right? So he is going to be my husband. I take, we take that vow. I will love you till death do us part, and I will be faithful to you. There will be no other. You will be the only one. Um, and, you know, when it comes to no marriage in heaven, sometimes it's like, oh, that's pretty sad. Right. It's kind of dumb. It's not that I'm not going to recognize her. I'm not going to know her. It's going to be this otherness that even the church is very kind of silent about. Like, we don't know. In the full heavenly banquet ecstasy, we don't know. It's just going to be awesome. Yeah. And I'm going to know her and see her in a more beautiful way than I have ever and will ever see her on earth. And that's what I take solace in. When I think about there's no marriage in heaven, again, because the sign is gone. We're going to be where we need to be. And yet I'm going to know her in a more total. In a more intimate way than we know each other now. So. (laughs) Because God is going to fill our hearts. So we're going to be with the angels and the saints. The angels and the saints, huh? Um, we're We're going to be with all the angels and the saints glorifying God. Again, we're not, you know, fanning God. You know that heaven is likened to what? A wedding feast. Heaven is likened to a wedding feast. What do you do at weddings? Or good ones anyways, right? At a good wedding, you celebrate, you dance, you drink of the, you know, of the goodness. And it's, you know, wine is not bad until you're 21, people. It's illegal. Um, but, but actually, wine is a sign of God's love. Wine is a sign of God's love. In fact, the very first miracle that Jesus performed was where? At a? At a wedding. You know why? Because God wanted to bring back God's love to marriage. Because wedding, a wedding is a sign of heaven. And so heaven is a wedding feast. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so beautiful. So right now we have three legs of the chair. We have free, total, faithful. And the last one is fruitful. Fruitful. Doesn't mean we bear apples and oranges. Okay, because that would be weird. That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> Will you be open to life? Will you be open to life? For the married couple, again, it's, you're not going to be contracepting, literally, to be against contra, life, thatception. You're not going to be against life. I'm going to be open to it in this radical way that the world really no longer sees. We see children as this burden, as, oh, it makes demands on me. It gets in my way. I can't do what I want. It's like, yeah, that's right. It's a cross, but it's the most beautiful, life-changing thing you'll ever experience. A little poopy thing that makes demands on me and makes me into a better man every day. Will I be open to life? Now, for, uh, that comes in, very, in different ways. It may be a physical, concrete child. Uh, and yet some couples struggle. We have, we've known quite a few who struggle with infertility. They want to get pregnant, and they can't. They, they are open to life, and for whatever reason, God is not... Um, it's, it's not happening. And yet understanding that every life is a gift, I cannot grasp for it. It's not for me to, who am I to decide this life will be created in a mechanical way? It's a gift when it happens. Do we do what we can um, when it comes to like natural technology and, and um, uh, yeah, ab- absolutely, but. Stuff that works with your body and it's not. So for instance, there's a difference between in vitro fertilization, that's also against 
this free total, because sex is supposed to be, the life is supposed to come from the union of a husband and wife. So when you remove that from the husband and wife and you scientifically go and create a person, that's a sin. It's a sin to do that because it wasn't part of this love. And so in vitro is seen as a grave sin by the church. But for instance, our friends, we have a friend, they struggled for seven years in their marriage to get pregnant. And finally they got pregnant. Now would people say, oh, well, if you're infertile, shouldn't you, be getting, you shouldn't be getting married then because you can't be fruitful. It's like, well, how would you know? Have you been having sex before marriage? Like, how would you know that they're not, you know, fruit? but here's the deal. Our friends, the ones that I'm thinking of, our friends are more fruitful without having children than some of the other couples I know. Why? Because they have spiritual children. Obviously, now they're going to have a physical child who also is a spiritual child as well because, again, with our baby, our, our goal with our baby is to get her to heaven. She's our physical child and our spiritual child. Now, some of my friends who couldn't have kids, they have a lot of spiritual children. A youth minister is a spiritual dad or mom. A nun or a priest, a brother, you know, they are spiritual mothers and fathers because they are getting our souls to heaven. Even priests, even nuns, even single people, we are called to being free, total, faithful, fruitful in our lives. It looks different right now as you guys, as high schoolers or as college students. Your free, total, faithful, fruitful looks different than our free, total, faithful, fruitful. And for brothers, free, total, faithful, fruitful, and fathers, free, total, faithful, fruitful. But every single one of these are what love is. This is called, Pope John Paul calls free, total, faithful, fruitful, the language of the body. This is the language of the body, and in fact, guess what? Our wedding night, when we consummated our marriage, we made these vows incarnate. Every time you have sex, guess what? You're making these vows with your body. And that is why sex outside of marriage makes no sense. Because outside of marriage, sex and sex, you're saying, I love you, but your body is saying, I'm going to love you free, total, faithful, fruitful. Well, what if the guy breaks up with you the next day? What if the girl cheats on you that week? Did you really make those vows? No, because you never said them. So to have sex outside of marriage, your, Pope John Paul says, we are lying with our body because this is the truth of the body is to say, I love you freely, totally, faithfully, and fruitfully. But if I'm having sex outside of marriage, if I, we're doing, having oral sex, whatever, we're saying free, total, faithful, fruitful, but we're not actually saying it because we never made those vows. So every time a married couple has sex, they're renewing their wedding vows. How awesome is that? They're making those vows incarnate. And guess what? If we're open to life, then guess what? That free, total, faithful, fruitful comes in the form of a baby. And so beautiful that we love like this. So write, I want you to write that down if you have. Sex is the incarnation of the wedding vows. Every time you have sex, you are renewing your wedding vows. We say that before God on the day, on our wedding day, we say those vows, and later you consummate that marriage, and, and it's bearing all these things of free, total, faithful, fruitful. Now, why? Why, do we, why are these the four marks? Why are they the four legs of a chair? Why are these the four marks of love? Because this is how Christ loved on the cross. If you really want to know if someone loves you, so ladies, if a guy says to you, hey, baby, I love you, you know what, you, then you can be like, all right, are you going to die for me? Because that's what real love is. It says in John chapter 15 in, in, this, in the Gospels, it says that the greatest love is to what? Lay down your life for a friend. That's the greatest type of love is to lay your life down. So even in marriage, again, when these are consummated, you are saying, I give all of me. I'm laying my life down for you. That's what real love is. So if someone says, I love you, say, are you willing to die for me? That's what love is. 
And in fact, that's where we get these free toll fables is when Christ laid his life down for us, his brothers, his sisters, to give us eternal life. In John 10.10, it says this, that the devil, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it in abundance. So if you have that, write down John 10.10, because I want you guys to learn some scriptures. I want you to remember them. Open your Bibles to them. So, and I also want you to write down Psalm 63. So maybe when you're feeling that ache and that longing, you can go to Psalm 63 and you can remember that longing, that ache is for God. But John 10.10, Jesus came that we might have life and have it in abundance. You guys, God doesn't want you to be boring. God doesn't want you to be mediocre, right? God wants you to have life at the full. That's why he came. He came to free us from sin, that we are not addicted. He came that we might love like this. And when we're addicted to sin, or we, we, we are deadened, right? Sin equals death. The wages of sin is death, and God wants to set us free from that death and to have life in abundance. He doesn't want you to be mediocre. In fact, Pope Benedict XVI said this. He said, you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. You were not made for mediocrity. You were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. You were made for this kind of love, right? You weren't made for a counterfeit love. You were not made for the dumpster. So God wants us to love and to be free so that we might love. How awesome is that? So, so beautiful. And that's why we, we know that lust is a counterfeit of real love. You can write that down too. Lust is the counterfeit of love. Because lust looks sometimes like, oh, baby, I love you. I'm going to give all myself to you. But we know it's not real love. It's a counterfeit. And personally, if I have a $100 bill, if I was going to give one of you guys a $100 bill, and then I had a fake $100 bill, which one would you choose? You would want the real one. You're like, I'd probably probably the fake one. <laughs> no, you would want the real one. You wouldn't want a counterfeit. So if we are offering, if Pope John Paul is saying, and Jesus himself is saying, I don't want you to have the counterfeit. I want you to have the real thing. Wouldn't you want the real thing? Yes. I mean, it's sad when I know, for instance, because I do a lot of girls' uh, sessions and stuff, it's sad to me when a girl comes up to me and she thought maybe the first time that she gave herself to uh, this guy, this boyfriend, she would feel love. And this one girl said to me, she's like, he didn't even hug me afterwards. She thought, oh, I'm going to experience real love, but guess what? She got the counterfeit. Another girl that I know, she said to me the first time she lost her virginity, she was like, it was all about him. It was all about him. She's like, I didn't feel loved at all. I was like, ugh. I was like, I did not want that. I knew, and again, I knew in my marriage, because I, I shared that when I got married when I was 29 years old, and I was a virgin. I waited, because I wanted, I didn't want the counterfeit. Now, I didn't, I'm not saying I'm perfect, and I, I messed up a lot in high school, but I knew I wanted to wait till marriage to have sex, and that my husband deserved all of me. Now, some of us, that's not our story, and guess what? That's what the beauty of confession is. Is that you don't have to be stuck in the past. Right? <laughs> you know, we don't have to be stuck in the past. That God wants us to be new creation. So even if we've messed up, whatever we've done, we've messed up, guess what? If we are truly sorry and we go to confession because we love God and we're like, God, I don't want, I don't want this anymore. I want to be free from this. We go to confession and he makes us new, so we might truly, truly love. We've given you a lot. Yeah. So thank you for hanging in there with us. 
the first steps really, you know, you're, you're, if you're processing this, if you're hearing it for the first time, you're like, this is making sense, this is connecting, how do I live this out? It's lived out in different ways. Really, it's by starting to look at your body, look at, looking at your own body and realizing this is something to be protected. This is something to be guarded. For us, in, in the married vocation, it, it comes in a different way. For you, for you, where you're at in high school, it comes in a different way. I'd like to invite up now um, Brother Michael Scott here to share with us a bit on how he's experienced this language of the body, how he's experienced this um, really theology of the body, and how, how do I live it out from where I'm at. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So I'm here to talk to you a little bit about how um, Jesus Christ, like Jackie was talking about, Christ on the cross, pouring out himself free, totally, faithfully, fruitfully, happened 2,000 years ago. I'm here to talk to you about how like that event um, and the graces of that event touched me and still continue to touch me 2,000 years later and have been purifying me, right? So I'm here to talk about um, kind of shedding vanity, um, growing in modesty, and being naked without shame. So Bobby and Jackie were talking about being naked, physically naked, but uh, my story is a little, it's a little different. It's not being physically naked without shame. So just uh, um, wait for that. So about 10 years ago, I lost my faith in Christ. And since that moment, Christ has been drawing me into a deeper and deeper relationship with him. And since that time, he's been purifying me more and more, hopefully please God in the image and likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. And part of the way that he's been purifying me has been with my romantic relationships. So I mean, I may have a collar on right now, I'm a seminarian, but my entire life, as long as I can remember, I wanted to be married. I wanted a wife. And later, I want kids, right? But uh, it's not about what I want, it's about what God wants for me. That's where I'll find happiness, right? So I pursued that for a long time. For 20 years, I ran away from the call to the priesthood, right? Um, but for those of you who have a call to the priesthood, God will not leave you alone until you, until you say yes, right? And you will find peace and fulfillment going in that direction, right? Um, but so my path took me towards uh, romantic relationships. And um, as I came closer to Christ, I started to realize that my, my romantic relationships were not healthy. So much so that in 2009, I gave up dating for the entire year. I didn't like who I was. I didn't like how I was treating myself. I didn't like how I was treating uh, the women that I dated. More than that, though, um, I, I was hungering for who is God. I wanted to know who God was and who I was in him. And so I, I knew that that's what I had to do. I had to take that step. And so as difficult as giving dating up for an entire year is, um, what made it even more difficult is the fact that six months before I made that decision, I met this smoking hot girl in San Francisco. Smoking hot, right? And there was all this chemistry between the two of us, and I could tell it. Um, and I would have pursued something, but uh, I felt like this call from Christ to actually enter into the desert to kind of remove myself of what I had been comfortable with and to let him speak to me. But at the same time, I knew that if uh, I could sense a chemistry, she could sense a chemistry. Because, right? I mean, how often do they say guys are numb to when girls are into them, right? Um, so I knew that if I knew, it was going to be loud and clear for her, and I didn't want her to kind of uh, just say to herself, like, wait a minute, like, why did things go cold all of a sudden? 
So you can imagine the awkward conversation that her and I had <laughs> when I told her that, hey, listen, um, I told her there's tons of chemistry here. I'm very interested in you. I would normally actually pursue a relationship with you, find out who you are, find out if we have something that's, that's worth pursuing towards marriage, right? But I said, um, God is inviting me to take a year off from dating, right? So she was shocked. She was appreciative of my honesty, and uh, the two of us actually agreed to have like a platonic friendship. So that aside, um, another way God had been purifying me is uh, by making me realize just how vain I was. So I mean, I grew up in Southern California, and uh, from high school on, I was a surfer. And in the surf culture, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, if you're out on the water, and you're seeing the waves, and you're seeing the sunrise, and just in the morning before the wind kicks up, the, the water is just smooth. It's like glass, right? I mean, it's absolutely stunning. And there's a lot of physical beauty that comes with that, right? And so the surf culture is really good at um, expressing and maybe even exploiting some of that natural beauty. And uh, that even includes like how women and then how men should look, right? So I started modeling what the surf culture was telling me would actually make me attractive. And um, like I was addicted to that in a sense. I, I, I couldn't be comfortable not looking a certain way. And I would get bored of, like, the hairstyles that, like, the surf culture was kind of pushing on me. And I would try and actually, um, like, change my hairstyle. But um, I could never actually get past that awkward stage, right? I would try and grow out my hair, and it would just look all awkward. And I would run back to what? Like, what society told me would make me attractive. And I don't know if you have it, like, if you're taking pictures, you know what your good side is, right? You try and, you try and make sure you look good in your pictures, right? I mean, that's vanity. That's vanity. Um, and so Christ began showing me that, and I realized that I was, I was not free to truly be who I was meant to be. Um, and so in that year I took off from dating, I actually decided to grow my hair out for an entire year. And I powered through it, um, and I finished the entire year, so that was good. But then um, this is where the two stories converge, right? So a couple months into uh, my year off from dating, I was still hanging out with this girl every once in a while. And we, we had this one moment that, that really s stood with me. Um, we were going to meet up for coffee in San Francisco, and uh, I was going to do some work on a project that I was doing, and she was going to do some work. But then last minute, first thing in the morning, I, I wasn't feeling it, so I canceled on her, right? And then later that day, I was in San Francisco in Little Italy, and I was having dinner, and she called me up, and she just told me how angry she was at me and how much she didn't appreciate that. So aside from it being rude that I, I canceled on her at the last minute, um, she told me that uh, she was really looking forward to seeing me, and that's why it hurt so much, right? So here I was shocked. Like, I had told this girl that I couldn't date her. I was looking funky. I was all awkward, and yet she was still looking forward to seeing me. She was still interested in me. Like, I had had this mask on me that the surf culture had been pushing that I allowed to enter into my being that I thought would define, like, my worth, right? That's an idol. I had to cast that aside. Like, I mean, they were saying, naked without shame, realize that my identity is in, in being a son of God, loved by Jesus Christ, and redeemed by him, right? So that was just really pivotal for me. And um, I want, no matter where you're at, I want you to realize that you have your dignity in being a son and daughter of Jesus Christ, of God, and being comfortable where you are, just let that, let that shine. And there's one of the guys on the staff, I don't know where he is, but Andrew. I don't know, where is Andrew? He's outside, okay. 
Um, so I was so impressed as Martin was uh, uh, doing praise and worship the very first day that we got here. Uh, as soon as everybody stood up and he was going to be um, leading us in music and we were going to be doing praise and worship, he gets out of his row and goes over there in the back and he just starts um, moving around and dancing by himself. And I, I was struck by that. And what I realized later is, in a sense, he was naked without shame. Like, his desire, who he is, was to be out so he could move, so he could really feel the music, and so he could dance. And he was expressing that. throughout. He was echoing that like throughout this space, right? He didn't try and put a mask on and say, no, I'm going to try and just be like everybody else because I have to. Um, so like that, I think, is a way that we can be naked without shame. Who are you really deep down inside? First, a child of God, and how has God made you unique? And then express that in the world. And I was not doing that by trying to look as attractive as I could or to um, model myself based on what culture was telling me um, would define me. I was putting a mask over myself. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, kind of give credit to uh, Christ for the work that he's been doing in my life, um, purifying my romantic relationships to the point where I'm now actually okay and tremendously peaceful pursuing the path of the priesthood, right? Purifying me of that and purifying me of vanity. Um, and so before I close... I just wanted to say that um, maybe something that, that you can um, reflect on that, that kind of helps me is, um, like, I don't try and make myself attractive anymore. I just try and make myself presentable. That's it. Um, all right, so I'm going to just go ahead and read a little uh, quote from Scripture to close us out. Okay. So it says, I will create a new heart in you and breathe into you a new spirit. I'll sprinkle clean water upon you to cleanse you from all your impurities. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and place a new spirit within you, taking from your bodies your stony hearts and giving you natural hearts. I will put my spirit within you and make you live by my statutes, careful to observe my decrees. You shall live in the land I gave your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. I can tell you Christ has been doing this in my life, and I know that he can do this in your life. Please open yourself to him, say yes to him, and he will do tremendous things in your life. And so because of what he has done and is doing and will continue to do in each of our lives, I just want to say glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I will create a new heart in you and breathe into you a new spirit. Let's give it up for Michael Scott. We all have to pray for our seminarians and pray for our sisters and pray for our priests because, you know, as Jackie and Bobby were saying, they sacrifice, they model that free, total, faithful, fruitful, just as much as our parents and, and other married couples may. Uh, I just said one, yeah, vocations table in the back, so go check it out, talk to Father Joe. Um, wanted to say one thing before we break into small groups. I know you're like, oh, why are they talking about marriage? I'm like 14. I don't even like boys, maybe, okay? They still smell. They still don't put on deodorant and like, ill, okay? As Jimmy Fallon says, ill, ill, okay, right? Why are we talking about these things, right? Why are we talking about these things I'm not going to have to worry about until I'm out of college or, or whatever the case may be? Or, you know, why are we talking about this now? I'm only in high school. Because we are here to tell you to practice today. To make it your daily duty to be just like Jackie and Bobby were talking about, to practice, 
to put into virtue that which you're hearing. That what you're hearing, that what you're being exposed to. In high school, in high school, for me, um, I didn't have a girlfriend. I never dated a girl. I know you're thinking like, wow, he's so attractive. How could he not have a, boy, a girlfriend, okay? I know you're thinking that. Guys, you can think that too. It's all right. Don't worry about it. All right? So here's the deal. I, I didn't want to date anyone in high school. I saw a lot of this. God blessed me with great parents that really helped me kind of see between the lines of the drama and the muck and that the, sometimes it's just the negativity that happens around relationships. And I'm going to tell you guys something. Not only did I not date in high school, my wife was my first kiss. Yeah, yeah, right? And guess what? You guys all know, when did I meet her? What grade? Preschool, actually. It's preschool, okay? Don't worry about it. I had to do two years because I put the blocks in the circles and whatever. Don't worry about it, okay? Right? So here's the deal. My wife was my first kiss, and I was 21 years old. 21 years old, okay? And now you may be thinking, like, wow, that's, like, way too late to have my first kiss. And this is the thing. This is the truth. Who's telling you 21's too late to have your first kiss? Who? Society. Who? Music. Who? TV. Who? Your friends. Who? Your desires misordered, misguided. I'm so blessed. My wife and I will be coming up on marriage for five years now in this July. And I'm so pumped. And I love her so much. She's not in the room, so I'm not going to embarrass her. But like, guys and girls, I'm just telling you, this stuff is goodness. It is rich. It is vast. It is deep. Take it to heart. Put it in practice, and you will have a blessed life now and in the future. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, small group leaders.